today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. She was moved by a heart of gratitude that Simon, the Pharisee, knew nothing about. Simon's so-called righteousness is built upon his own works of the law. He figures what sin he might have is so small, so menial, compared to others, particularly this woman who is a sinner. Oh, I might have sin in my life, but it's not like yours. Because that's the way Pharisees lived and act. They lived above everyone else. They didn't count their own sins. Unlike people, God sees all sin as equal. All of us are guilty before His throne. Ultimately, a highly religious person who struggles with pride and envy can be fooled into thinking that he is more righteous than another person who is trapped in more obvious sins. In today's message from Luke chapter 7, Pastor David teaches us about the dangers of believing we are more righteous than another person. We will also learn that those who understand and receive God's grace are grateful worshipers at Christ's feet. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Scarlet Letter. not like me, you must be a sinner. Aren't you glad we don't work that way today? Ah, but we do, don't we? We do. Personally, I think Simon was really upset that a sinner would be so bold as to even come on his property. And yet, here she is, and when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought this alabaster alabaster flask of this fragrant oil, and she stood at Jesus' feet behind him, just weeping. The common normal way of eating at that point in time was a very low table and you'd almost lay on the ground propped up by your, usually your left arm. You ate with your right and your feet kind of went out behind you there. And that's where this woman was. We don't know how many were invited to that dinner. There were others. But when we consider, when we look at this, we do know that this woman came in at that point in time. The custom of the day would be is whenever you would have someone in your house, particularly in these small communities, you invited someone over, it was okay, it was expected, it was anticipated that the community, if it was somebody popular or somebody important, they would come to your house too. They, They wouldn't come inside. They'd gather around the courtroom. They'd look in the windows. They'd hear through the doors. They wanted to hear what's going on. Whoa, we have so and so in our house, in our community today, and he's over at so and so's house. Let's go over and hear what they have to say. So that would be a normal thing for people within the community to be pressed around the house, gathered in the courtyard, just to hear some of the conversation. 
so there'd be others there. Although they weren't invited to the meal, they were allowed to be able to hear and listen in on the conversation. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner came in to Simon's house and stood behind the Lord. And yeah, I believe that Simon's freaking out a little bit at this point in time. Number one, you, 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 you weren't invited to my house, particularly you. Now you come in and you're standing right behind my invited guest. How long had the woman stood there? We, we don't know. How much of the conversation between Jesus and Simon she overheard? We don't know. But we do know that this woman began weeping and she wept quite a bit, even to the point that her tears began to fall on the feet of Jesus. And is, and as if her being there wasn't enough to stress Simon out. Verse 38 tells us that she began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair, and kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This, this is too much for Simon. He's, he's a Pharisee. He's one of the righteous ones of Israel. He's a keeper of the law to the very minutia. His, he's literally consumed every moment of every day, fulfilling the do's of the law and trying to keep from breaking the don'ts of the law. 613 laws of the Torah and then all of the explanations and interpretations of those laws. And that's what the Pharisees were consumed by. Keeping of that law, I don't want to break, I don't want to, I have to make sure to do the things. Because you see, Simon was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Would you say that with me? He was a Pharisee. Now tell somebody next to you, he was a Pharisee. He looked right. He looked good. He looked proper. He looked righteous on the outside. Now this woman who's a sinner, she comes into this Pharisee's house, begins to anoint the feet of his guests, and he is so appalled. So Simon spoke to himself. He thought to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, He would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I love it where he says, if he were a prophet. Simon Simon had no idea. Jesus answered him. He said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say it. Simon had no idea where this conversation is going to go. And at this point in time in the evening, he feels he's pretty much in charge of things. He's in his house. He's the religious one. He's the ruler. He's the Pharisee. And he knows who this woman is. And now he's figured out who Jesus isn't, if this man were a prophet. So he's already canceled out the possibility that Jesus is even a prophet. And if Jesus isn't a prophet, then he's certainly not the Messiah. So Simon's already got this all figured out in his head. She's a sinner, and he is nobody. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Let's change this up a little bit, bring it into 
our understanding. A lot of commentators say that a denarii was about the uh, day's wage of a common laborer of the time. Let's round this up uh, and just say, say $100. Say a denarii is worth $100. I know that might be more than a common laborer gets, but just for the sake of argument, say it's $100 for us today. So if one denarii is $100, then one man owed $50,000, and the other man owed $5,000. You can trust me, I used a calculator to make sure I was right. We see this vast difference. One man with a 50,000, the other with five. So not only were both amounts really a pretty good sum to pay, but one of them was ten times what the other one was. But Jesus says they had nothing with which to repay it. Nothing. But this particular debtor was an amazing guy. He freely forgave both of them all that they owed. Amazing. Everything that they owed. He wiped the slate clean. But that's not the point of the story at this time, because Jesus asked Simon a very simple question. And by now, if you've been studying the Word of God for very long, if you've studied in the, in the Gospels for very long, you know that when Jesus asks a simple question, somebody's getting set up. Okay? Because yeah, you're going to answer it in your own logic, and he's going to give you the real and true answer. Tell me, Simon. Which of them will love that creditor more? Simon, he's a pretty sharp guy. He's got it all figured out. I can't even help but wonder how much sarcasm there is in Simon's response to Jesus, because by now Jesus is nothing. Simon answered and says, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more, duh. Okay, I added the duh, but it's it's the attitude that I think that Simon has here. Jesus said to him, you're a pretty sharp guy, Simon. Okay, that's my version too, but Jesus says, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman. He turned to the woman, but he's still talking to Simon. He says, you see this woman? Yeah, this woman who's a sinner. Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet and she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. The custom of that day would have been as if you had a guest come in. One of your servants would have met them at the door with a bowl of water to remove their sandals and to wash their feet. One of your servants, because you've invited this individual into your home, one of your servants would go and wash the individual's feet. But you know what? Simon didn't make one of his servants go wash Jesus' feet. As a matter of fact, Simon didn't even give Jesus water to wash his own feet. But this woman washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Simon, you totally missed even the most basic common courtesy here. Strike one. Verse 45 says that Simon, or Jesus still talking to Simon, says, You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time that I came in. And again, the custom of the day would be for the host to welcome his guest with a kiss. If you remember, it was Simon who invited Jesus into his house. Jesus was the invited guest. Jesus didn't say, Simon, I want to come to your house for dinner. No, Simon says, Jesus, why don't you come to my house? And Simon treated him as a nobody, really, from the very beginning. 
Strike two, Simon. Verse 46, Simon, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Now, if Jesus were an honored guest, particularly a, a traveling rabbi, he would have been recognized by such, by the host of the home, by pouring oil over his head. Now, for us today, that sounds gross. Uh, you come over to my house, I grab the olive oil, pour it all over your head, you're probably going to leave. Okay? But that was the custom of the day, to pour oil over the... Not only was that a, a sign of honor, but the fragrancy of the oil really helped out because also in that day they didn't have deodorant, so it was always nice. If you're going to have a house full of people, to have something else that they can smell and enjoy. But it would speak also of the anointing of God on that person, particularly as an honored rabbi. They would do that. Great sign, honor, recognition. But if you're counting for Simon, this is now strike three. No wash, no kiss, no anointing. But for that woman, the, the, yeah, the, the one who was a sinner, she's batting a thousand. And every time she stood up to bat, she hit a home run. She was moved by a heart of gratitude that Simon, the Pharisee, knew nothing about. Simon's so-called righteousness is built upon his own works of the law. He figures what sin he might have is so small, so menial, compared to others, particularly this woman who is a sinner. Oh, I might have sin in my life, but it's not like yours. That's the way Pharisees lived and act. They lived above everyone else. They didn't count their own sins. But they could certainly see yours because you broke a particular law that they maintained and kept. So it's a great way for them to puff themselves up. After all, Simon is a Pharisee. And he proudly wears the letter P on the outside of his clothes. The problem is, is that P stands for pride and prejudice. And he was overflowing with it. On the other hand, this woman, she recognizes her sin. She willingly falls at the feet of Jesus in acts of worship, in acts of love, a great love. And Jesus declares about her in verse 47, Therefore I say to you, Simon, that this woman's sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want to make sure that you caught this. There's a couple of things here that that we don't want to miss this morning. Number one, Jesus did not deny the fact that this woman was a sinner and that she had many sins. He recognized that. He even called attention to that. And yet he willingly forgave most of them. No, he forgave them all. He forgave them all. The second thing I want you to see is Jesus made the statement of to whom little is forgiven, the same loves a little. I believe that he made that statement directly to Simon at that point in time. And although Simon blew it on how he treated Jesus and who he understood him to be at that point in time, I think that maybe Simon's sin could have been forgiven too. Just because of the way that Jesus put this. He didn't say that one debt was paid and the other one wasn't. No, 
They were both covered. They were both released. The problem is, is at this time, he doesn't realize the greatness of his sin and the greatness of the gift of forgiveness that is ours. How easy it is for us to judge others and wholly miss the greatness and need of our own sin. And when we don't see our own sin because we're blinded through our judgment of others, our personal love and our gratitude for the greatness of the Lord's sacrifice for our sin is tragically limited. I don't recognize how great a sinner I am, so I don't recognize how great a Savior He is. But when I recognize the wretchedness of my own sin, and that he was willing to forgive it, then he is a wonderful Savior. Rudolf Steyer, he's a German, he was back in the 1800s, a German pastor, a theologian, professor. He did his own little private study and wrote the words of our Lord, a study on the words of the Lord. Small volume in the English, it's eight volumes, actually. But in the midst of that, he writes these words. He said, to the noblest and purest of us, what is wanting in order to love much is not sin, but the knowledge of it. It's not that we need more sin. No, we just need to realize the depth of the sin that's ours. In other words, we we only think that we're okay until we come to a complete understanding of our sin and the grave consequences that stand before us because of them. It's only when we quit comparing our sin to other people's sins, when we come to a full knowledge of our sin and the greatness of the sacrifice of Christ to pay our sin, only then can we fully understand, only then can we fully appreciate the forgiveness that's offered by the Savior. Only then can we grow in great and true love for the Lord. Joseph Hart, back in the 1700s, wrote these words. Come, you sinners, poor and needy, you weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands ready to save you, full of pity, love and power. Come, you thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty glory. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Come, you weary, you heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. There's no doubt this woman was a sinner. But now her sins are forgiven. You need to understand, she wasn't forgiven because she had great love. And some tried to swing around the interpretation of what Jesus says there. No, she wasn't forgiven because of her love. She had great love because she was greatly forgiven. Simon, too, was a sinner. Big or small, the word tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet God, in the abundance of his love and mercy for all of us, sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. That's the full payment, the full covering, took care of all of it. God sent his son in order that your sin and my sin, the sin of the world, might be taken care of, might be paid. 
in order that we might not only have forgiveness, but that we might know the greatness of his forgiveness toward us. You see, it's, it's not the size, it's not the type, it's not the number of our sin that keeps us from relationship with Almighty God. It's the failure to include Jesus in that equation. Because Jesus is greater than all my sin. Verse 49 tells us those that sat at the table with him, they began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can you go in peace? Can you truly, really go in peace? Knowing your sin. As you walk out these doors, can you go in peace knowing that there is a righteous and a holy God to which every one of us will stand before on that final day? Can you really and truly go in peace? You can if you know that through the grace of God and personal faith in that completed work of Christ, your sin is forgiven. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from that which held you captive and pronounced you guilty before Almighty God. If you know the grace of God, if you've given your heart and life to Him, you might be able to hide your sins from man. But do you really think that your sin is hidden from the eyes of Almighty God? The Word tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from a lot of our unrighteousness. Is that what it says? No. All of our unrighteousness. What about His? You see the letter He's wearing. Can God really forgive that? What about hers? Wow, I didn't know that about her. Can God really forgive that in her life? Does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse from all unrighteousness? Let me ask you again. Some of you caught it. Does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse from all unrighteousness? Yes. Even yours. Even yours. God has made available to you and I to wear the scarlet letter R. It's a scarlet letter because it's written in the blood of Christ. And it's the letter R because we are the redeemed. Redeemed not on our own strength, not on our own abilities, not on our own righteousness or goodness, but redeemed because of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Are you able to boldly and confidently wear the scarlet letter of the redeemed? Only when you know that your sin is forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, that you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, only then can you truly go in peace. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. 
as we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. That's TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.